The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. here at CNBC, and here's your top five at five. Stocks are snapping their three-day winning streak as investors now turn their attention to that big report on inflation. FDX still a big story once again on the brink of potential collapse after Binance walked away from a deal to rescue the crypto platform. The very latest on this rapidly developing story. Control of Congress still up in the air as several key midterm races remain undecided. President Biden looking ahead to 2024. Wall Street beginning being hit with more layoffs as another two major firms cut their headcounts amid growing worries around deal making in the economy. And President Biden raising the potential for inquiries into Elon Musk's businesses and questions about connections to other countries. It is Thursday, November 10th, and you're watching Worldwide Exchange here on CNBC. Good morning. I'm Seema Modi in for Brian Sullivan at this hour. Let's kick things off with a check on how markets are faring. Your money right now. Look at stock futures, and we are higher. Dow Jones Industrial indicated higher by 76 points, and NASDAQ higher by 32, and the S&P 500 up just about nine points. Stocks snapping their three-day winning streak yesterday with all three major indices falling roughly 2% or more. Kind of a tough day for markets. Checking the bond market with the 10-year yield currently trading right around 4%. Here we are, 4.11% for the 10-year. A look at energy, WTI crude and Brent crude, which had been nearing $100 a barrel, now at 92 WTI crude, down just fractionally at $85. And we have to get a check on crypto amid the fallout over Binance, abandoning its rescue of FTX. Bitcoin moved sharply lower yesterday. It is higher by 1% at 16667 also want to get a check on the FTX token. That's the native token of the FTX trading platform, down roughly 90% over the past week. And you can see down about 9% at this hour. We've got much more on this developing story coming up and the impact on broader markets. But first, let's get a look at the overnight action in Asia and the early trade in Europe. Jamana Brasecci in London with that. Hi, Jamana. Morning, Seema. Well, risk off tone prevailing. You can see all of the indices behind me are trading in the red from the Asian time. That handover from Wall Street also pretty negative as well. And here markets actually have been focused on a, a, a resurgence of COVID back in the southern parts of China that is having an impact on some of the manufacturing names as well as commodities. So that's why you're seeing these uh, indices tip downward today. Shanghai down about four tenths of a percentage point. Hang Seng down 1.7. Also some of the tech names in that basket taking their cue from the Nasdaq yesterday. Yesterday. And then uh, over in South Korea, the cost beat down nine-tenths of a percentage point as well. As for European markets, the picture is a little more mixed. Uh, well, barely so now. FTSE MIB in Italy, the only spot of green we have up two-tenths of a percentage point. FTSE 100 down about two-tenths. We've got the real estate sector lagging today. The markets are very much focused on higher interest rates and the impact that that's going to have on the real estate market. We've also had a bunch of utilities report today, too. So the likes of uh, the German company RWE, power company, 
did post better than expected profits, similar for Angie in France as well. So uh, despite everything that you're hearing about in the energy crisis, that the power providers, so any electricity provider that is pricing off the price of gas, is actually posting pretty good results. And they're coming in and they have come in in the last couple of days or so. But the picture overall is pretty negative. And like other markets, all investors are focused on that U.S. CPI inflation print coming up today. Yes, we're doing a countdown. Jamana, good to see you. Thank you. Let's now get a check on some of your morning's top stories. Silvana Henao is here with those. Good morning, Silvana. Seema, good morning to you. President Biden confirming his plans for a face-to-face meeting with Chinese President Xi Jinping. Speaking yesterday at the White House, the president said he plans to meet with his Chinese counterpart on the sidelines of the G20 summit next week in Indonesia. Now, he plans to bring up how the U.S. and China can avoid conflict in that discussion, but added he won't make concessions on critical issues. If it takes place, the meeting between Biden and Xi would be the first face-to-face for the two leaders since Biden took office. Hasbro announcing plans for its chief financial officer to step down. The company saying Deborah Thomas will make the move as soon as a successor has been found and that she will also serve as an advisor to the company during a transition period. Thomas has been at Hasbro for 24 years, 13 of which were in the CFO role. The announcement comes about nine months after Chris Cox took over as Hasbro CEO. And Twitter's newly rolled out pay for verification system already facing a wave of fake accounts for high profile people and brands. Elon Musk's social platform rolling out the $8 a month version of its blue subscription service yesterday. And so far, spoof accounts of LeBron James, baseball pitcher Aroldis Chapman and hockey star Connor McDavid have all been suspended as well as one account claiming to be Nintendo of America. A spokesperson for Twitter did not immediately respond to a request for comment by NBC News, Seema. Changes are happening hour by the hour. Solana, sure thank are. you. You got it, Seema. Let's turn to politics. The latest on the midterm elections. Officials in Arizona and Nevada continuing to count results in Senate races there. Both contests remain too close to call. Meanwhile, President Biden celebrating the results as Democrats hold off an expected red wave by Republicans. NBC News' Bree Jackson has more from Washington. Bree, we're still waiting. Good morning, Seema. Yeah, the results continue to roll in, but President Biden is celebrating these midterms as a win for democracy. The American people have spoken. A defiant President Biden claiming vindication after a better-than-expected midterm. While the press and the pundits are predicting a giant red wave, uh, It didn't happen. Despite Mr. Biden's low approval rating, Democrats avoided taking a major hit. But control of Congress is still up for grabs. We still have a real chance. We're going to win Nevada. I think Arizona. In Arizona, Senator Mark Kelly holds a slight lead over Republican Blake Masters. Georgia's Senate contest is headed for a December 6 runoff. Results from Nevada's Senate race will take a while. Mail-in ballots are still pouring in. The mail can come through until this Saturday as long as it's postmarked by November 8th. In the House, Republicans are confident they'll have the votes for a GOP takeover and for Kevin McCarthy to become Speaker. Leader McCarthy, do you have the votes for both the majority and the speakership? Yes. Even with some 2022 races still too close to call, there are already talks of 2024 presidential runs, including Florida Republican Governor Ron DeSantis, who had a triumphant victory Tuesday. 
truth. We will never, ever surrender to the woke mob. Former President Trump hinted he'll announce another White House run as soon as next week. We are going to take back our magnificent White House. President Biden was asked about his own political future. Our intention is to run again. Mr. Biden says he'll likely firm up a decision early next year. And for now, President Biden's focus is on moving his agenda forward, no matter who takes control of Congress. The president did call House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy last night and is pledging to work across the aisle. Seema? Bree, speaking of McCarthy, he's been seeing some comments overnight. What is the latest on the fight amongst House Republicans for leadership positions? Yeah, well, Kevin McCarthy did announce his bid to be House Speaker if Republicans do, in fact, take control of the House. Uh, and Steve Scalise, who is currently the minority whip, has announced that he would run uh, for the majority leader. Uh, so Republicans are already trying to make their play. Uh, but if Republicans do, in fact, take control of the House or the Senate, it could be a challenging two years for President Biden as he tries to move his agenda forward. Bree Jackson in Washington. Thank you. Let's turn to markets. And now that we've largely moved past the midterm elections, the next major focal point for investors is likely to be the October CPI report, which is out at 8.30 a.m. Eastern. The figures could spur the Fed to keep raising rates in the fight to reduce inflation or, or potentially take a pause in the coming months. Forecasts calling for headline CPI to have risen by 0.6 percent in October from the previous month. 7.9% from a year ago. That would be down from the increase of 8.2% year over year in September. Let's bring in Kate Faddis, Senior Portfolio Manager at Fernwood Investment Management. And Kate, good morning to you. Good morning, Seema. Thank you for having me. Great to have you on. There were comments from my colleague Jim Cramer last night on his show. He said that he's warning investors to uh, keep an eye on growth stocks, to be a little cautious going into the CPI data. What are your thoughts there? I agree with him entirely. I think the Fed has been very clear. We should expect more rate hikes. We, we should not expect any help from the Fed. Growth stocks, I'm actually quite bearish on growth stocks, so I have to agree with him on this one. I, I'm looking for places to hide, Seema. Where would you hide right now? I, I've seen a nice mini rally in the industrial sector, one of my beats. Uh, energy continues to outperform with WTI crude, or Brent crude rather, uh, in the $90 range. What, what, has your, uh, what has piqued your interest right now? I, I'm looking in the retail sector. I keep saying, and I've been wrong, I keep saying that energy is long in the tooth, but energy keeps working. It's probably one of the best performing sectors this year. But I think food, clothing, and shelter. So retail companies are going to be reporting next week. I'm looking at companies like TJX, which we own. I think they're going to have a good quarter. Not a cheap stock, yields 1.7%. Walmart uh, is expecting sales growth of 5 to 7, 5% and 9% decline in EPS. Target has been walloped. Target cut their inventory and the stock really took a beating. It is quite cheap. I think Target is one we've added to it, and it's one we should, we are pushing quite so uh, For retail, I just remember back in the summer, it was Target that sort of spooked the market with this idea that it's sitting on too much inventory. But you're saying over the past couple of months, the CEO there has made the changes needed to, uh, to cut costs, and where the stock is trading right now, you think is actually a good buy. I think Target is a good buy here, and I have a couple of other ideas. Walmart, you, said, you talked about TGX. What about Dollar General? Dollar General, uh, they've increased their outlook for fiscal 2022. 
They did acknowledge uncertainties with respect to cost inflation, supply chain dynamics, customer spending habits, but they are still projecting double-digit full-year sales growth. It's not cheap, but I think that's another one that's interesting. You know, Kate, taking a step back, st- futures are indicated higher, but it was sort of a tough day for Wall Street, a 2% loss for all the major indices. And there was some talk in the 3 p.m. hour as we were counting down the close of this Binance FTX story, this debacle impacting the equity market. It, what are your thoughts there? Is there, is there an implication there? Yes, there's an implication there, definitely. I think it was a shock to everyone. Mm. Uh, this chap, Bankman, Friedman, whatever his name, uh, was supposed to be a billionaire worth $24 billion. He really was the bulwark. So I think it's going to spook retail investors, and we're going to find how many institutional investors were also invested in this sector with crypto. So I think it's huge. I think it generally speaks negative things about the whole growth sector, meme stocks. But I think we are back to fundamentals. Back to fundamentals. Speaking of fundamentals, I did also notice the dollar. It was up a lot yesterday. Do you think that played a role in why stocks sold off? That is a good question. I think the dollar is strong because all the other currencies are so weak. I mean, I mean, where are you going to take, where are you going to move your money? Right. The Fed is raising rates. The euro is in trouble. Look at the pound. They're really struggling with what happened with trustonomics. So I think it's just a general trend that's going to continue. It's not going to go on forever. And the dollar has had these periods of great strength. But I would be 50-year high against the pound. It just seems a little overdone at this point. But Hard. people are looking for places to hide. Hard to talk down the dollar. We'll be sure to keep an eye on it as we await that CPI number. Kate, thank you for joining us today. Kate Faddis. Thank you. When we come back here on the show, much more on Binance backing out of its deal for a financial lifetime for FTX. The latest as FTX teeters on the brink of collapse. Plus, Foxconn laying out plans to expand its operations in China. The Apple supplier continues to grapple with COVID lockdown measures at one of its key plants. And day one of the new verified Twitter, facing a flurry of fake accounts for some high-profile users. Got the full story. Very busy hour still ahead here on Worldwide Exchange. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. A live look at Jacksonville, Florida, as now Tropical Storm Nicole makes its way across Florida. The storm being downgraded from a hurricane after making landfall. We will have much more. Keep an eye on this storm. 
Cryptocurrencies looking to recoup some of the losses this morning after getting crushed yesterday. Bitcoin and Ether down more than 10%, touching multi-year lows in yesterday's trade. All of this as Sam Bankman-Fried scrambles to raise money after Binance backed out of its plans to acquire FTX. Mackenzie Sigalos is here with the latest on this story because, Mackenzie, there have certainly been developments overnight. Yes. So, Seema, the rapid demise of FTX has picked up momentum in the last 12 hours. Sam Bankman-Fried again pounding the pavement, asking for money to keep FTX afloat after Binance called off the deal to buy it. Only this time, everyone has a much better sense of just how bad things are. Bankman-Fried told investors that the company is facing a liquidity shortfall of around $8 billion, according to a person familiar with the matter. Now, Justin Sun, the founder of the Tron cryptocurrency, tweeted late Wednesday that he and his team were, quote, putting together a solution with FTX hours after that Binance deal went south. Sun provided no details, but he did say that his team has been working around the clock to avoid further deterioration. Bateman Freed retweeted Sun's post, but there's still a lot of questions about FTX's business practices. Reuters reporting this morning that in May of this year, Bateman Freed used at least $4 billion in funds to prop up his trading firm, Alameda Research. Now, a portion of these funds were reportedly customer deposits, according to Reuters. No word back from FTX as of right now. But Bloomberg is saying that Bankman-Fried told FTX.com investors that without more capital, a bankruptcy is likely. And the clearing issue is that there really aren't a lot of backers left who can either, you know, are willing to risk buying FTX at this point, can buy FTX at this point. Because putting aside all the financial liabilities, both the SEC and the Justice Department are reportedly investigating FTX right now. Seema? And now we try to understand the wider implications. We saw a sharp sell-off in cryptocurrencies, including Bitcoin. Those who are watching, and they, if they own Bitcoin, uh, trying to understand if this will affect uh, the, the broader crypto landscape and how and to what extent, really. Yeah, so investors and retail traders are shaken right now because when Binance pulled out of the deal, the exchange specifically blamed the due diligence process, meaning that once they got a look at the books, they wanted to walk away. Binance also cited news of mishandled customer funds as another reason for pulling the plug, and that scared people. Not to mention the fact that FTX has halted withdrawals, and if history is any indicator, I'm talking about Celsius and Voyager Digital right now, once you do that, it's all over. And beyond that, Sam Bateman-Fried was supposed to be crypto's white knight. He was the backstop if anything went wrong and someone needed a bailout. You know, in many ways, FTX was single-handedly keeping the industry afloat during that wave of bankruptcies that wiped out investors this year. And now trust is lost as more details are revealed about how FTX was keeping it all going. And it's not just FTX, right, Mackenzie? There are many larger, you know, well-respected firms, SoftBank among others, that have exposure to FTX. What's the collateral damage from your perspective? Yeah, so FTX last raised money at a $32 billion valuation earlier this year from major players in the venture capital world. Names like Sequoia, BlackRock, Tiger Global, SoftBank, as you said. Now, Sequoia says that it invested just over $200 million in FTX, and that investment is now worth nothing. Other equity investors are telling CNBC they are just writing off their stake in FTX as a loss. Things are moving really fast here, Seema. We're going to keep an eye on next steps. Yeah, we'll see if another buyer comes in. Uh, Mackenzie, thanks. Thanks, Seema. Still on deck, your Money Morning's biggest movers, including one dating app, not feeling the love from investors following its earnings story. We've got that coming up. Today's big number, $15.17 billion. 
That's how much U.S. commercial gaming revenue reached in the third quarter of the year, according to the American Gaming Association. That's a new record. Roughly half of the commercial gaming jurisdictions set quarterly revenue records in that period. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. All right, time now for some of your big money movers. Three stocks making the biggest moves in early trade. First up is Rivian. Shares of the electric vehicle maker getting a boost after the company reported a smaller per share loss than expected. Revenue fell short of analyst expectations, but the company did affirm its full year production guidance of 25,000 vehicles. The stock is up about 6% right now. Stock number two, Zip Recruiter. The stock popping on beats on both earnings and revenue. The job marketplace company also raising its full year guidance and announcing the authorization of a $200 million increase in its share repurchase program. Stock up 12.5% here in pre-market. Lastly, Bumble shares taking a nosedive after posting third quarter revenue Wall Street expectations below that and issuing weak guidance for the fourth quarter. The dating app company citing foreign currency and the war in Ukraine as key headwinds, as well as broad online slowdown. It's down more than 12.5 percent here. Competitor Match Group also sliding by around 1.5 percent. All right, let's get a check on this morning's other headlines. NBC's Francis Rivera in New York with the latest. Francis, good Hi, morning. Seema. Good morning to you. We start with President Biden, who says he intends to get Brittany Griner home amid reports that the WNBA star was being transferred to a penal colony in Russia. Her lawyers say it might not be until next week before the location of the facility is revealed. Griner was sentenced to nine years for drug smuggling after Russia says they found cannabis oil vape cartridges in her airport luggage. After plowing through the Bahamas, Tropical Storm Nicole is now tearing across Florida. It made landfall as the state's first November hurricane in nearly 40 years. Many areas were already feeling its effects Wednesday as flooding damaged buildings and homes. Heavy rains, dangerous storm surges and damaging 75 mile per hour winds are expected in central and northern Florida throughout the day. New this morning, the man suspected of assaulting Paul Pelosi in late October has been indicted on federal charges. Authorities say David DePop broke into the San Francisco home of House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and attacked her husband with a hammer, asking, quote, where's Nancy? A grand jury has indicted the 42-year-old Canadian citizen for assault on Paul Pelosi and attempted kidnapping of Speaker Pelosi. DePop already faces a series of state charges. He could face decades in prison. Paul Pelosi is recovering at home after suffering a skull fracture and serious injuries to an arm and both hands. Shifting gears now to entertainment news, Bad Bunny has smashed another record. The reggaeton superstar has been named Apple Music's Artist of the Year. His latest album is Apple's most streamed album of the year. Seema, those are your headlines for a Thursday morning. We send it back to you. He's, he's great. Uh, Francis, thank you. Sure thing. 
Still on deck, Wall Street grappling with a new wave of layoffs at two of the sector's biggest banks. Details on just how steep those job cuts will be. And if you haven't already, follow our podcast. If you miss Worldwide Exchange, check us out on Apple, Spotify, or other podcast apps. We will be right back. Investors gearing up for the latest read on inflation and whether record high prices have peaked. Futures modestly higher ahead of CPI. FTX fighting for survival after Binance walks away from its deal to rescue the embattled platform, dragging the crypto space down with it. And the control of Congress still waiting to be decided as President Biden looks for bipartisanship amid the potential for a divided legislative branch. It is Thursday, November 10th. You're watching Worldwide Exchange on CNBC. Welcome back. I'm Seema Modi in for Brian Sullivan. A pleasure to join you at this time. Let's kick things off with a check on markets and your money right now. Stock futures were indicated higher and holding on to gains. The Dow indicated higher by 30 points. Nasdaq up by 24. Keep in mind, stocks did snap their three-day winning streak yesterday with all three major indices falling roughly 2% or more. So a rough day on Wall Street, but here we are attempting to rebound. Check a, take a check on the bond market with 10-year yields Relatively trading in a narrow range over the past couple of days right now at 4.11% and yields are lower with the exception of the two-year, which is trading at 4.6, slightly higher right now. And have to get a check on crypto amid the fallout over Binance, abandoning its rescue of FTX. Bitcoin was down sharply yesterday. Right now, trying to claw back. It's still below 17,000. And here we are down just fractionally. Bitcoin and Ether is higher. Let's take a look at the stocks with major crypto exposure. Names like Riot Blockchain, Coinbase, MicroStrategy, Robinhood and Block falling precipitously on Wednesday, trying to a rebound here. MicroStrategy up 5%, Coinbase higher by 2%. But again, all these names were down double digit percentage points yesterday. Let's get a check on some of your morning's top stories. Silvana Hanau with those. Silvana, hi. Hi, Seema. Well, more Wall Street firms are joining the list of those cutting jobs. Bloomberg reporting that Barclays is eliminating positions across its investment banking group. It adds that about 200 jobs will be cut and that the reduction started this week. The Barclays move comes after Citigroup let go of roughly 50 traders this week, with the firm reportedly also cutting dozens of banking roles amid slumping deal-making activity. Apple reportedly hiring a former Facebook executive to lead its information systems group. According to Bloomberg, Timothy Campos will lead the unit which handles the infrastructure behind Apple's online services, customer support and website. Campos most recently co-founded a calendar platform startup that was later acquired by Slack and then Salesforce. And President Biden questioning Elon Musk's relationship with other countries. Speaking at the White House yesterday, the president was asked if Musk is a potential threat to national security and if Saudi Arabia helping him to buy Twitter should be investigated. Biden saying the Tesla CEO and Twitter owners cooperation and or technical relationships with other countries is worthy of being looked at, adding he was not suggesting Musk was doing anything inappropriate. Musk has a number of important international business ties through Tesla, Twitter, as well as SpaceX, Seema. All right, Silvana, thank you. Let's turn to Foxconn, the company announcing plans to continue its expansion in China amid its latest quarterly results. Those figures show the impact of China's strict COVID control measures. 
Yunus Yun joins us from Beijing with the latest on this story. Hi, Yunus. Hi, Seema. Well, the Apple supplier posted a 5% rise in profit, but missed expectations and sees a flat fourth quarter because of the COVID situation at its facility in Zhengzhou, central China. Now, the company says that it wants to very quickly shore up so that it could have that facility back up and running. And official media say that the, the effort, which has been province-wide to restaff the facility, has made progress. Uh, the papers have been quoting uh, local authorities as saying that uh, they believe that they will be able to lure back the 100,000 or so people needed to get the factory fully online towards the end of the month. Now, the situation with Foxconn is a part of what seems to be a new period of experimentation by Beijing to maintain the zero COVID strategy, but still trying to mitigate some of the um, social as well as economic fallout. The state media has been praising the city of Zhengzhou for what um, they've been describing as targeted uh, measures. Um, the official news agency, Xinhua, also said that uh, authorities should be stripping away extra unnecessary layers of COVID curbs, which would suggest that maybe they're looking for some way to make things a little bit easier for people. But at the same time, Seema, I don't know if you could see behind me, but this line for the COVID test is really long, and the uh, the stations have been extending the hours here in Beijing because um, just as of, of the past day or so, most places are now requiring that we show a negative 24-hour COVID test instead of 72. And we had only 90 cases here in the capital. It's so fascinating. And, and, you know, Foxconn is so important for a company like Apple, which already said a couple days ago that iPhone shipments will be delayed because of what's happening on the ground in China. What is the path forward for Foxconn uh, amid these COVID concerns and for the city of Guangzhou specifically? Yeah, you know, it's 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 probably going to be the same, which is uh, zero COVID uh, leading to zero certainty right now, because with uh, Guangzhou in particular, we're really seeing some interesting and in some ways scary experimentation going on there because it's an economic powerhouse. It's been seeing massive jumps of COVID cases in the thousands for the past several days. But the city has not yet locked down. It's in partial lockdown and also has been conducting a whole lot of mass testing. It's been closing some schools, but unlike other big cities, which would be triggered, triggering lockdowns much quicker, Guangzhou is trying to stay open. So on the one hand, you could say the path forward might be, who knows, maybe uh, Guangzhou is going to try to find an easier path, uh, somewhere they could balance things a little bit better, or like what we saw in mm. Shanghai or in Shenzhen, uh, when we could, you know, when it's a battle between zero COVID and growth, zero COVID won. Well, the world is watching, that's for sure. Eunice, thank you. Eunice Yun in China. <laughs> and to the latest on midterm elections and the fight for control of Congress, officials in Arizona and Nevada continuing to count results in Senate races there with both contests remaining too close to call. Meanwhile, Georgia's Senate race officially heading for a runoff contest next month. President Biden celebrating the results as Democrats hold off an expected red wave by Republicans. The president vowing to work with congressional Republicans while suggesting he plans to run for re-election in 2024. For more on midterms and what President Biden said, let's bring in Andy Blocker, global head of public policy and head of U.S. government affairs at Invesco. Andy, pleasure to have you on today. 
Great to be with you, Seema. So what do you make of the better than expected showing by Democrats in states like New Hampshire, New York, uh, Colorado? What does that tell you about whether investors should, in fact, expect gridlock and should bet on that? Well, look, it was a it was a really good night for President Biden and the Democrats. Um, it was it beat expectations. But at the end of the day, we're going to have divided government. And whether you're talking about year three of a presidency or divided government, it's good for markets, partly because when you have divided government, you have a narrow bid ask spread on what can get done. And you basically reduce what I call political volatility. And so with less uncertainty, there's more that the markets can do. We know we're not going to see any large tax increases. We know there's not going to be any big fiscal packages. And so for the markets, I think that's good. And as you point out in your analysis, markets historically perform best when there is division in in the midterms, or that's the results of, of midterms. Is that right? That's correct. And I think partly because of, like I said before, the certainty that it brings, that, that you're not going to have anyone really swing too far to the right, too far to the left. They can actually kind of measure up exactly where things are going to go. And as you heard uh, President Biden yesterday, he, he made up some clear lines, basically. He's not going to deal with Social Security, nothing that comes there, nothing that goes against his climate, things that he's done. He's going to use his veto pin there, but he's going to look for opportunities where there actually is agreement. But he also made this point in his speech yesterday that he will work, he will work with folks across the aisle, right? What did you make of his speech? Well, I made, what I made from it was that he looked confident. I think he felt buoyed by the fact that he didn't get us shellacking, as we heard from President Obama back in 2010. And so as he goes on the world stage and goes to COP27 and he goes to um, G20, I think it helps him in his, in his talks with other world leaders. That's the biggest thing I got out of it. The second thing I got out of it was the fact that um, he feels emboldened to be able to work with Republicans on those things that they can agree on. And there are some areas, um, I think, with respect to being tough on China that they can agree on. I think there are a few others as well. Biden also said he plans to meet with China's leader Xi Jinping when amid um, at his upcoming trip to Asia. What could we expect from that meeting? Well, this meeting has been a long time coming. As you know, Xi has not been traveling. And so the fact that they're getting together is really good. In the lower level meetings that they've had, there hasn't been an ability to really make progress because as Xi has consolidated power, we're finding that more and more, if you want to know what where China's headed, you have to actually talk to Xi. And so I think this is a really good opportunity for President Biden to talk to him face to face and to really kind of get a sense from Xi on where he wants to take China vis-a-vis the U.S. And he can express where what the concerns are for U.S. on the other side as well. Finally, you watch politics so closely. Back to what we're, we're watching here in the midterms. When do we expect the final results on the House and Senate, do you think? So that's a tough one. Um, I think because of Nevada and Arizona and some of their laws over there and how long it takes, I think probably by next week we'll kind of know for certain, I think. But we may find out as ballots come in, we may be able to predict at least one of those, if not both. I guess that just underscores how tight this race is. Andy, thank you for joining us. Andy Blocker of Invesco. Coming up, the growing fallout of FTX and the brink of collapse, the latest on where the embattled platform stands and the growing ripple effects in the world of crypto. Worldwide Exchange is back in a moment. Now to the developing story in the crypto world this week involving FTX and its founder and CEO, Sam Bankman-Fried. 
Binance is walking away from its plans to acquire FTX. Now, this comes just a day after Binance CEO Chan Peng Zhao reached a deal that would rescue the crypto exchange from a liquidity crisis. Binance saying after doing due diligence, it can proceed, citing reports of mishandled customer funds and alleged investigations by U.S. authorities, saying the issues are beyond our control or ability to help. Zhao told Binance employees in a memo he did not master plan the collapse of FTX, which he says is not good for anyone in the industry. The Wall Street Journal reporting Sam Bankman-Fried has told investors FTX needs up to $8 billion in emergency funding to cover withdrawal requests. Reports say the SEC is investigating FTX's handling of customer funds and crypto lending activities, while the Justice Department is also looking into the matter. Investors are already writing off funds they plowed into FTX. Sequoia Capital saying it wrote down $150 million exposure to zero. Let's talk more about all of this now with Tracy Wang, Deputy Managing Editor at Coindesk. And Tracy, astonishing that last time you were on, we were talking about how FTX would buy Robinhood potentially. And here we are, just a stunning fall for a celebrated executive in the cryptocurrency world. What do you make of it? You know, it is really funny that last time we were talking about rumors of Sam Bankman-Fried buying Robinhood, and now we're talking about FTX's exchange being insolvent. Um, I think one lesson that can be gleaned from all this is just this pattern of, you know, founders with cult of personality that, you know, it just inevitably ends badly for them. We've seen instances of this previously this year in um, in crypto with the collapse of the Luna Terra ecosystem and Do Kwan. And we've also seen this with Three Arrows Capital founder Suzu, um, a crypto hedge fund that blew up. I think, you know, there is a lesson to be learned there. And sometimes when founders are almost too good to be true, they end up hurting a lot of not only their investors, but also their customers and the industry. If not Binance, do you think there'll be another buyer or do you think some of its existing backers of FTX, the larger venture capital firms, Tiger Global, Sequoia Capital, maybe even SoftBank could perhaps step in? I think at this point, the chances of a alternative deal are quite slim. We heard that Sequoia and um, and what I think some other venture capital firms will, will soon announce is that, you know, the value of FTX equity um, in light of the situation is basically zero. You know, customers can't even get back their deposits. I think Sequoia actually, you know, mentioned when they published their letter that their primary responsibility is is to they, they have a fiduciary responsibility to their limited partners. And um, that means maximizing shareholder value. And at this point, you know, currently, if 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 FTX were to receive $8 billion that it needs, most of those assets would likely go to customers. And now we try to understand the wider implications. Investors who have exposure to Bitcoin or are owners of some of the cryptocurrency uh, stocks like Coinbase, which fell 10% yesterday. I think it's a little bit of an understatement to say that the industry is is shocked at the events of this past week. And in a sense, it, it feels like the worst day in, in crypto in a while. And we are seeing that in, reflected in markets and also cryptocurrency stocks, like you mentioned, Seema. Um, I think 
you know, there is a little bit of an identity crisis going on in the industry just because Sam Bankman-Fried and FTX, they were viewed as kind of the faces for the industry. You know, Sam was in Washington um, lobbying for, you know, legislation for the crypto industry. And not only do, um, do, do companies in the industry have to now grapple with the fact that FTX, which was a top three exchange, has collapsed. Also, I think the crypto community will have to figure out, you know, who who will be the new face of crypto mm-hmm. and who will represent the industry um, in Washington, D.C. No, it's a great point. I mean, he ran commercials during the Super Bowl. He bought the naming rights to the Miami Heat's basketball arena. I mean, he was the name. And to your point, we'll have to see who can fill that void. Uh, Tracy, busy time for you. We appreciate it. Tracy Wang of Coindesk. On deck, markets bracing for the big CPI report out in just a few hours. Jenny Harrington is standing by to break down how to trade around that latest read on inflation, a critical one. And coming up on Squawk Box, a CNBC exclusive conversation. Nike co-founder and chairman emeritus Phil Knight discussing his involvement in the midterm elections. We will be right back. Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. If you're joining us, here's a check on some of your morning's top stories. President Biden revealing he plans to meet with China's Xi Jinping on the sidelines of the G20 summit next week in Indonesia. He says he plans to bring up how the U.S. and China can avoid conflict in that discussion, but added he won't make concessions on critical issues. Twitter's newly rolled out pay for verification system already facing a wave of fake accounts for high profile people and brands. So far, LeBron James and Nintendo of America among those seeing spoof accounts. A spokesperson for Twitter did not immediately respond to a request for comment by NBC News. And the private art collection of late Microsoft co-founder Paul Allen breaking records. Day one of the two-day auction, fetching a record $1.5 billion. Christie's had initially estimated that 150-plus works would sell for a combined $1 billion. All right. Another busy day on Wall Street as investors gear up for the October CPI print, along with weekly initial jobless claims. We're also watching out for earnings from some retailers, Ralph Lauren, Tapestry, Warby Parker, WeWork, Poshmark, and a slew of Fed speeches on deck. We've got Philadelphia Fed President Patrick Harker, Dallas Fed President Lori Logan, San Francisco Fed President Mary Daly, Cleveland Fed President Loretta Mester, Kansas City Fed President Esther George, and New York Fed President John Williams to round it off. They are clearly ready to talk. But let's kick things off with a trading day with a final check on futures ahead of that inflation data because our next guest says she actually welcomes higher interest rates. Here's a look at futures. Dow Jones indicated higher by 16 points after losing nearly 2% yesterday, and NASDAQ is higher by 27 points. Joining me now is Jenny Harrington, CEO of Gilman Hill Asset Management. She's also a CNBC contributor. Jenny, good morning. Good morning. You're one of good the morning f- from Charm City. <laughs> I love it. And here, one of the headlines from your note here is that you welcome higher interest rates. Tell us what you mean by that. So what I mean is that for the past decade, with these almost zero interest rates, it's been it's. It's messed up risk return equations. It's met, you haven't been able to properly value investments because when you run a net present value or discounted cash flow model, you need a risk-free rate of return. And when that's almost zero, the math doesn't work. 
So here we are with the 10 year at four and change percent and inflation saying to us, hey, guess what? Rates are gonna be sticky and they're probably gonna they're probably gonna stay higher for a longer time. And so now the math on valuation models starts to work. But not just that, it is healthier, it's painful now, right? But it is healthier for investors because now you can actually invest in bonds again. And that's important. And now when you're making risk return decisions, mm -hmm. you might actually get real return for taking risk. When people invested in bonds, they're actually lending their money for, I don't know, two, three, four, five, ten 10 years. And for the better part of the last decade, with, with interest rates so low, the market was saying, hey, give us your money, but we're not gonna pay you anything or we're gonna pay you almost nothing in, in return. And so now that that's changing, I think it's going to force much, much healthier behavior. Um, I thought Catherine was so, so perfect and spot on this morning that I thought, oh, you guys don't need me. You know, just everything she said. But what you see is, she said, valuation matters, again, fun back to fundamentals. And when you have functional interest rates, you actually can get back to mm -hmm. fundamentals. You're not just telling a story and hoping for a pie in the sky story to play out. You actually can say, here are the cash flows, here's what they're worth. So I think that as we reflect back in five years or so on this, maybe three years, we're going to see a much more functional investment environment having returned. If CPI report at 8.30 a.m. Eastern shows that inflation remains stubbornly high, uh, what would you be doing with your money right now? So I would not just invest in the market, right? I would pick things off. And that gets back to what Catherine was saying this morning too. She said, hey, look, there are individual stocks. I was at, the reason I'm in Baltimore today is because I was at this terrific conference last night where a bunch of portfolio managers come and they pitch their best ideas and it's a fundraiser. It's really great. It's a great way to hear how other people invest. But one of the portfolio managers said, you know, we've gone from Tina, there is no alternative, to Terra. There are reasonable alternatives. So I don't know what CPI is going to come out at, but I think it's pretty fair to say it's going to say inflation's sticky, inflation's mm -hmm. sticking around. And you know what? you can buy bonds now where you haven't been able to buy bonds for a long time. In fact, two of the ideas last night were bond ideas. I've attended this thing for years and years. I've never heard bond ideas pitched at what's generally a stock conference. But to, to Catherine's point, you can buy individual stocks. So in our portfolio, she gave you a few before, but like you can buy AT&T, which trades at seven times with a 6% yield. You can buy Lamar Advertising that trades at 13 times with a 5.5% yield. Um, you can buy companies, and you're, this is getting dicey, this is from our growth portfolio, it's not really dicey, but people think it is, but you can buy JetBlue that's trading at about seven and change, about $8 a share, and it's going to produce $1.35 in earnings next year. But when Catherine said before, back to fundamentals, like I would say valuation matters more, more than ever, and you need to pay attention to the valuation, you need to pay attention to the fact that there might be real, sorry, that there has to be real earnings growth, mm -hmm. right? Not just, oh, let's hope that one day they capture X percent of TAM. No, they need to show real earnings growth. Um, so you need to pay attention to these things. And I wouldn't just buy spiders. I would pick off individual companies where you can see this is a fair valuation. Right. They have real earnings ahead. They, um, those earnings are growing. And then you run, the, you run the valuation model and you say, oh, okay, this is what this stock is worth. And if I hold it for and two or three years, I'm likely to have a return. And you mentioned JetBlue. Other names you have in your portfolio, Marriott, Uber, United Rentals. We're unfortunately out of time, but uh, Jenny, always appreciate your perspective. Jenny Harrington. Thanks, Enjoy Sima. Maryland. And that does it for us on Worldwide Exchange. Squawk Box is next with futures pointing higher.
You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern only on CNBC. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.